When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, the McCovey Chronicles podcast for SB Nation. I'm Brian Murphy, former managing editor of the McCovey Chronicles site. And with me is Doug Brizzoni, who writes about the San Francisco Giants on the Substack, giantsdoug.substack.com. Doug, the Giants suck. They suck. They suck. They're terrible. They're awful. They're they're butt awful. They're putrid. They're stinky. They're awful. What do you think? I think uh, <laughs> I think we should re-record the part where you introduce me. So you can say, who writes at giantsdoug.substack.com? And that'll free me up to write about something else. They're so boring. They're awful. There's nothing interesting about them right now, other than uh, the fact they keep losing, which I guess is interesting to people who hate them. So they're happy, at least. I don't even know who hates them anymore besides Giants fans and maybe some A's fans. But they're just so pitiable at this point. Like, they're not even worth... I bet Padres uh, that, fans still hate them. Uh, that's a good point. Padres fans do probably have a chip yeah. on their shoulder. But anyway, the Giants suck, man. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're four and eight since we said that these next two weeks were the season, and they really showed up by laying a gigantic turd all over themselves. Like every game, they'd run out onto the field covered in their own vomit and crap. And um, well, and let, they, let's be let's be fair here. On Saturday, they didn't cover themselves in their own vomit and crap until the ninth inning. Yes, that's true. Yeah. They did wait a while. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but it has not been a good week. It certainly has. They had two off days, and it still felt like they lost in those off days uh, this past sure. week. But it, it's been a bad week. It was a terrible road trip. Um, it's a terrible team. There's nothing to learn from them uh, about any of these players. I, I'm kind of sick of them. I'm kind of done with them. I'm kind of over watching them. The bullpen comes in. You know it's going to be bad. They can't hit. They can't field. Yeah, like I said, the bullpen's terrible. The base running's awful. You know, Luis Gonzalez went down to Sacramento where, remember, Sacramento fixed Jake McGee 100%. They didn't fix Luis Gonzalez. The guy can't run the bases or he's good. And Austin Slater's getting picked off on base. Uh, you know, when the Giants actually do get on base, they've scored like six runs this past week. It's just, it's embarrassing. Yeah, they should uh, They should <laughs> be better, is my opinion. Uh, I mean, the thing about Luis Gonzalez, I wrote about Luis Gonzalez this week. I think that was this week. Like, he's not good at anything right now. I don't know why they called him back up because he he doesn't do anything well. Like, you can see that he can. But um, even, even if he's not going to be the best case scenario like Jake McGee was in Sacramento, like, you know, Joey Bart had a good 
month there, a few weeks there, and that helped him turn it around. And like, you have to give him that time or else, like, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, I don't know what they're doing calling him back up for Bryce Johnson. At least Bryce Johnson can catch the ball. I mean, Luis, Luis Gonzalez can't, he doesn't feel well. He doesn't run well. He doesn't, right now he's not hitting well. Um, what's he doing on the team? I think it's an open question about what most of the people are doing <laughs> on this team. <laughs> and uh, that's, let's just get right into our main topic for this week is Farhan Zaidi was interviewed by Tim Kawakami uh, on The Athletic. And it was largely about the possibility of this offseason. Uh, Kawakami's questions were more or less pointing in the direction of, well, given how, by Zaidi's own admission, this year has been disappointing and frustrating. But for on every part of the baseball, uh, at every part of the organization. And um, and it was a 35-minute interview or so. The last five minutes were basically about Bay Area food, dining choices, what's like a dish that Zaidi likes. Uh, at this point, I don't care. So, <laughs> But it's like sort of connected to last week. What I was saying is sort of, he's just a man. You know, I think the press, all the stuff that, you know, people with great PR can't actually get very far. And a lot of people propped him up as being messianic, essentially. And I, I, I don't take any satisfaction in him being no better than simply the best in the game. But it, it does just recalibrate all the expectations of we don't actually know. No one knows when the Giants are going to be good again. And he's... He's number one on that list. He doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, he, he thought they were going to be good this year. So Yeah. Uh, so um, that was the main thing. The takeaway that I got was sort of, I think there is this idea of, of what they could have done. And I think if you apply what we know of his process and just rational thinking, I think they did. I agree. I think they did mostly do the right thing by doubling down on, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, because they were so great. Losing Buster Posey, how do you, how do you make up for that? I think the only real thing was like, okay, Rodon, but not Gossman, because you didn't want to go five years on Gossman. So does that mean you're going to just miss out on players who can help you in the next three because you don't want to go five? Well, guess what? You're not going to build a good team very often unless you get really lucky in your farm system. Yeah, anyway. I mean, how many how many Wilmer Floreses can you sign? Yeah, that, like that. Wilmer Flores has been a good player for the Giants. I'm I'm happy he's come to the Giants, but he's not the centerpiece of a free agent st- strategy. You know, he just isn't. You need a star. I mean, you need someone. I mean, what he said was they need four to five everyday players. And uh, you know, t- to be fair, there's guys who they had every reason to think would be everyday players who haven't mm-hmm. been. I mm-hmm. mean, Mike Yastrzemski took a huge step back. Jock Peterson had two great months and then it was terrible. Um, it. It happens, you know, you understand Brandon Crawford obviously has not had the season anybody wanted. Uh, but I don't know, like they have to find a way to get guys who can play every day. And Farhan knows that, you know, he said that they don't want to have nothing but platoons in their lineup every game, which the goal is good. not platoons yeah. is basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, I think he said four to five everyday players and then you can kind of platoon around them, which makes more sense. Um, but the funny part of that yeah. line was he goes one or two or three or four or five. That was the, that was literally what he said. I, you know, <laughs> I bet as he was talking, like one or two is like, no, that's not enough for three. No, no, I gotta keep going. You just stop till you hit the good number. 
You know, that's why I mean, that's a lot closer to uh, angry old me saying like the Giants are eight or nine players away <laughs> from being competitive with the Dodgers. He's meeting me at least halfway on that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so and that's the other thing is that they're going to have to make hard decisions with the roster that they kind of avoided this year, which is that, you know, do you want to use a roster space on both? You know, I'm going to pick two players who are pretty good. You know, both Austin Slater and Lamont Wade Jr., right? You don't you don't want to have both of them on the roster. You want to have one guy who can play every day instead of two guys who each play half the time. And if as long as they're not doing that, I don't really see them being a threat to anybody in the, in the NL and in Major League Baseball at all um, because the, they just don't have the talent. Like, you can get a platoon advantage once, and then you lose for the rest of the game, basically. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, if if you start Wade and then you pinch it Slater in like the sixth inning, you get that good matchup against, you know, a lefty-righty matchup, right? They bring a lefty against Wade, you pinch it Slater, great. Now they're going to throw righties at Slater for the rest of the game. You lose your matchup for the rest of the game. So you're losing overall, even though you get the matchup in that moment. Well, and unless you're breaking it open, unless you're getting like three runs for the for the platoon advantage. Right. And, th- and that's that's what happened more often last in year 2021 <laughs> yeah and this year it's not this year they're hitting like regular guys who aren't very good also everyone sucks right now so yeah. i mean platoon advantages aren't don't do much good when you suck like yeah. I, I hit right-handed you could pinch hit me against a left-handed major league baseball pitcher it would not it would not help you no you should not do that do no. not put me on a 40-man roster put me in the game <laughs> unless you're the dodgers uh in which case you'll make me good and then i can make millions of dollars this is my moment to declare that the reason why Justin Turner and Max Muncy struggled so much this year is because I drafted them both in fantasy baseball. Brian, I want you to draft every member of the Dodgers. I tried. I tried <laughs> hard. I was like, all right, I know exactly how I'm going to take these guys down. Because either it'll help me win my fantasy league or it will tank their season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. And it kind of almost worked, but Muncy kind of turned her anyway. But yeah, Also, you know so what? I'm you done. need to pick up Trace Thompson. Yeah, <laughs> when they signed him, that's on you. He was definitely available. <laughs> uh, I think that kind of bleeds into the next idea because you're talking about player acquisition, and you know, for all of the Giants' decisions about uh, the roster this year, based on the last year's results performances, again, I think the Giants just kind of found themselves stuck. The farm system not uh, doing anything this year really also really hurts. But one thing he admitted to that is completely outside the realm of the chance of players or coaching, you know, the buffers that front offices can use to, you know, uh, incur, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, protect themselves from decision, you know, decisions going badly, um, take the fall for their bad decisions is he admitted that they need to get better at matching the Dodgers and talent acquisition. And it's not just free agency, it's trades and it's the farm system, but not just drafting, but also internationally finding those independent players, you know, those types of things. And it's like, well, that my dude is firmly within your control. <laughs> That's a hundred percent on you. If the giants can't uh, get equal, the Dodgers in that, in that regard, am I way out on a ledge there saying that? No. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is that, right. The, the, one of the deals that he pointed out was the deal right after he left. Right when they traded, they traded Alex Wood and Yasiel Puig and Matt uh, Kemp and Matt Kemp for 
but Matt Kemp was not good at that time, so I'm not really Josiah Gray and or Josiah Gray uh, and Jeter Downs. Yep. And they wound up being prospects who were big parts of the Scherzer of the Scherzer deal, which also got the Trey Turner and the Mookie Betts deal, respectively. Um, the Giants don't have players like that. I mean, they have players like Matt Kemp, but they do, they don't really have the interesting like. Alex Wood and Yasiel Puig. Well, they do literally have Alex Wood, but it's not the same situation. <laughs> well, they have Alex Cobb. They have Alex Cobb. Well, that's true. I mean, and Alex Cobb is having a really good season, all all told. Yeah, I mean, they honestly, I would not be surprised to see them trade Alex Cobb this offseason if it'll because it'll help them get some other talent back. Um, but your point is completely. Yeah. Your point is completely right. And you know, the only play I was thinking about it like last year. I want you to finish your point, but I just want to bring up like who could it have even been last year? Could it have been Brandon Crawford? But again, Brandon Crawford's not going to waive his five and ten to be traded. Yeah. Um, so it's like I don't know. They didn't. They weren't in that position last year. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> um, I mean, so I guess who they would have traded? Some of those platoon guys with really nice seasons, Wade or Slater. Uh, maybe Yastrzemski even like it probably wasn't easy for them to trade wood. It was, it was probably easier for them to trade Puig though, not necessarily because of on-field talent. Um, but yeah, Puig had worn out his welcome for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's and Alex really Wood had health issues. I think yeah. that they were like, well, let's see if we can get some more reliability. Um, but yeah, in terms of who they could trade to make that kind of a deal, you know, they're, they're starting from kind of a, a standstill when the Dodgers were running. Um, and that makes it tougher. And the thing is, but on the other hand, um, what do bold front offices do? You know, the Dodgers made the World Series in 2018, and they still traded away big parts of that team. Mm-hmm. I understand winning 107 games is the best the, the Giants franchise has ever done. Um, but, I mean, if you want to maintain that level, you can't expect a lot of those guys to, to keep their production up. So you have to make that kind of decision. Maybe, maybe people would have been higher on Slater uh, in the off season than they are now. Maybe they would have been higher on uh, Wade, Wade or someone in the infield or like Tyro Estrada, even like I like Tyro Estrada, but maybe someone's like, Oh, that this is just, maybe there's a front office who looks at him and thinks that's just the beginning of what he can do. We can unlock even more. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how front offices are looking at the Giants, um, but you would think that there would be a way to sort of reload the way the Dodgers did right after Zaidi left. Yeah, I, you bring up an interesting point with the other front offices say, because that was actually something else that he touched upon in the interview when they were talking about the Juan Soto deal. And he admitted basically the Giants, if they ever had a chance, it was a very slim chance of getting him in trade and that if they had actually uh, consummated a trade, it would have been basically devastating for the major league roster. So the giants would have had Juan Soto and like nobody else because it, he said that it was not possible to do a straight prospect deal because other front offices view the giants farm system as not being very good and all the talent right now being on the major league roster. And it was, this is now tying into my point, but basically just to finish the thought, you know, you probably would have had to trade Logan Webb. You probably might've had to trade Wilmer Flores. I don't know, but you might've had to trade Lamont Wade or Austin Slater you or Joey Bart. You know what I mean? Like, so they would have had to trade what they deem as their major league staples to get Juan Soto. And then now what do you do? You know, who, who's your, who's pitching after Rodon, um, you know, and Rodon's not going to be here next year. 
which I like that it's just kind of an open, yeah, that's, he's not coming back. We're not, we're not resigning him. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's just in that sense. I, and I totally understand that it makes sense, but this is now trans why they didn't make that deal. But this transitions into my larger point of, he made it a point to say, um, I have, maybe I have too much respect for my peers and their ability to evaluate talent, or I just don't have salesmen in my DNA. And uh, because he wasn't going to basically try to BS the other teams into saying like, no, no, this or that, or like try to say like, well, he's had some like back injuries, but that's just like literally from plane travel, he's got to get used to it or bus travel. You know what I mean? Like he didn't try to like sell any of these damaged goods better because this is the interesting part that I found, but the, my bigger point, remains but the thing is like basically he trusts that everyone's analytics and uh, scouting is as good as theirs and that there is it's all the same which really lends into when um uh remember all those veteran free agents a couple years ago were saying like it was really weird the calls they were getting it was like there's like a central mlb database that determines all value for players for free agents and i think there's just one there's just one algorithm that determines all value for all players and so I think that's where he's like, I'm not going to try to convince something of something that the algorithm doesn't tell them. And I thought that was very telling. And I'm like, well, that's going to make your job harder, my dude. And then the <laughs> other part of it, but then that led into the other part of it uh, of that's interesting that he's saying all this, uh, both the salesman part and doubling down on last year's team, because after 107 wins, your options are like blow it all up or, or try to be good with the team that was just good, which is understandable. But I keep going back to this. Mike Elias uh, for the Baltimore Orioles is probably one of the most ruthless people who's ever lived. Uh, And like that guy does not care about, like they traded Trey Mancini at this year's deadline. And because they were, that was part of their plan the whole time. And so I think about that and I think about, so there is a difference between front offices. We can already admit personality wise, you don't just have to behave according to the algorithm. You can just have a certain degree of ruthlessness or cleverness or whatever. And I, and I remember like, you know, he was pretty ruthless when it came to that 2019 roster. He had no qualms about blowing it up. He had no qualms about letting certain guys go at the end of the year. And I guess they were also in a situation where they couldn't do any, Josiah Gray, Jeter Downs type deals after that offseason. And then we get into the pandemic and all that. Um, I guess the one, you know what? I take that back. The Will Wilson, Zach Cozart deal, that was kind of, that was kind of the equivalent, I guess you could say. I mean, I will also say we're not ruthless in season when they needed to be to trade Bumgarner and Will Smith. Yes. So is that front off, is that ownership kind of stepping in at certain points in time? Is it Zaidi recognizing like, I'm also like, in charge, even though I'm a head of baseball operations, my baseball operations is funded by this business. This business requires, you know, marquee names to draw people in and actually generate revenue. But it is, it's telling because it's, that's a choice, whether he's a hundred percent making it 50% making it whatever, that they're basically, whether or not how much money the giants spend, there is a behavioral uh, component of all this that, we we are we are witnessing right now has held them back. Yeah, no, I mean it. It does seem like it, but it's also the thing that's that's really worked for the Giants in their down years, right? Where like they, so after twenty sixteen, they were garbage, but they still had the stars, and a lot more fans showed up than should have showed up based on the quality of baseball they played. So 
you know, I'm sure ownership sees that and is like, yeah, I mean, we want to keep some of these guys around. We want to have, we want to be able to sell something. We want to be able to tell fans, hey, hey, this guy, you like this guy, come see this guy. Um, and, you know, I don't know, you know, we don't know, obviously, what what Farhan would do if he were completely unfettered, right? If the if the front office was just like, yeah, or if the ownership was just like, yeah, just do whatever you want. Just just make us good again as soon as you can. And Zaidi was like, all right, I'm trading literally everyone. We're going to we're gonna tank like hell for two years, but it's going to work eventually. Like, we don't know. Maybe he would do that because that is, you know, that is the conventional thinking in baseball. So maybe that's the, on the same spreadsheet that says what every player is worth. Maybe that, that spreadsheet also says, yeah, trade everyone and suck ass. Um, I just don't. So that to me doesn't seem strike me as being who what he's about. No, it doesn't seem like it. But on the other hand, we don't know for sure. That's true because, too. Because we we don't know what those conversations are with ownership. I would, I'm if sure. I were ownership, yeah. though, I would I would definitely say, listen, pandemic year or no, your farm system sucks balls. So why would I want you tanking for two years? How I can't trust that you're going to put together minor league talent that can well he, if he if he trades every, every major league player worth something for minor league talent some of those guys are going to pan out right that's what he can say i um, guess <laughs> that's a good i mean i guess that's why we do this podcast uh, that's yeah. what we're here to talk about it's like could that happen yeah. i guess yeah, yeah maybe i mean would i even want to see that strategy no because i watch this team <laughs> like, I, I know they've been bad this year, but they would have definitely been worse if he'd done that. Like, you're, if you remember the good times this year, those would not have happened. It would have been just yeah. this. It would have been just the Giants and the Twins <laughs> all year. And the Tigers, for that and matter. Yeah, that's right. They, they would have won 20% of their games. That's true. I think what is missing from this year, and I guess I'm saying this uh ignoring Joey Bart to some degree, but you know, to, there are successes. There are things to look at. I think what is missing is they didn't find Lamont Wade this year. Yeah. Uh, they thought they thought they found him with Luis Gonzalez. They're acting like they found him with Luis Gonzalez and they, he's not the same. I mean, and, he just isn't. The same. <laughs> yeah. And I think, and to me, you know, I think everyone points back to, or foreign anxiety was very clear in this interview that, the Giants bullpen was like the best bullpen in baseball last year. And then this year it's not. And that's all. But we kept all those guys because they were the best last year. So why wouldn't we maintain continuity there? And then I think about it and I go, well, the year before they were the worst. And those were a lot <laughs> of the same guys too. So it kind of feeds into my general notion that Sabre bullpens all suck. Anything that, because they're all based on like tunneling and, you know what I mean? They're all like computer based. And I, I kind of, I kind of, there's a part of me that hopes Brian Sabian isn't too emeritus, isn't too out there. And that after this year, he'll like come in for a week and like give him a crash course and how to find a bullpen guy. And it's like, first of all, you got to be mean to him. You got to <laughs> challenge their manhood in front of their wives. And, <laughs> and that gets him angry. <laughs> I, I felt never recovered, but he pitched like hell. That's right. <laughs> Because I always go back to Brian Sabian in what September of 2010 or at the end of August, get calling the rotation in. Oh, that's right. His yeah. office and chewing them out, and it was like I remember reading that, going like, "Wait, this is the best part of the team. Why are you like ripping them?" He's like, and it really his argument was, "These guys can't hit. 
they suck. You're the only good part of this team. And, uh, and it turns out sometimes that's how you motivate people. So I don't know. But I think Zaidi admitting certain parts of it, which I think it's fine if he's like, I'm not going to try to BS people because eventually I'm going to have to talk to these people when we're not, I'm not in a situation where I need to BS. And I think that's reasonable, but it also does make me wonder, I'm like, well, what is your job? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, just to go back to the bullpen, right? The, they, uh, so they're the best bullpen in baseball. And what we were talking about 10 or 15 minutes ago, right? Make bold moves, make bold moves. So why not try to trade some of them when they're at their peak of their value? Because you know Dominic Leone's not going to have an area under two again. Even if he's really good, it's not going to be an area in the ones. That's It's spectacularly unlikely. Harleen Garcia is probably not going to be as good as he was. Jake McGee, probably not going to be as good as he was. You know, th- that's, not, that's not me talking in hindsight. That's just anytime anyone has a, has a career year, just playing the odds, especially a reliever, you go, it's probably not going to be this good again. See what I can get for him. Yeah. And they didn't, you know, they just, they just brought everyone back and didn't, didn't do what they needed to do, which was take a hard look at the team and try to make it better. I mean, basically their ceiling for this year was last year, but without uh, their best position player. Right. So yeah. why would, why would you do that when you're, you can try to raise the ceiling? Like I understand it's going to hurt. I understand it's going to cost talent. It's tough to find a bullpen arm. But it wasn't that tough to find bullpen arms last year. You should have been confident you could do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, yeah, and that combined with the lowering of the payroll and using re, simply reallocating Buster Posey's money to Carlos Rodon, um, I mean, that, what you're saying, makes me... We haven't even really touched upon this, and Kawakami was sort of really trying to hem him in to get a stronger answer. But this really does smack of, to some degree, uh, a salary cap, a, a payroll limitation that they were that they were being asked to go under. Because everything you said, well, you don't, why would you move your low cost guys? Right. Yeah. And I think and it doesn't really boil. There's not a lot of rational thought behind it. The other, the only other part of that, now that I think about it in this moment is, well, he cites a move that the Dodgers made after he left. So it wouldn't have occurred to him probably <laughs> to make that move. And I did tweet this. I was like, you know, if in two years the Giants are not much better than they are this year, I think we got to give Billy Bean and Andrew Friedman even more credit for, <laughs> for their time. Not not just because Farnsight is like some, you know, the emperor has no clothes or whatever, but that, you know, he was certainly a part of what they were doing and they identified him as being talented. But, you know, they really are – they. This is two years from now, so this could all just blow up in my face. But I think I think he gets a lot of credit for kind of like keeping them going. But they, in their own right, had sort of forged their own path. You know, I mean, they've already name, made names for themselves. So him being brought in as sort of their sidekick makes a lot more sense. Um, I guess I'm all saying this because 
I think last year really made me go, okay, so this one guy presses a couple of buttons and everything goes according to plan. It has nothing to do with the players. It was just this guy switching from switching the buttons on all the backs of their of, of, of their toys from bad to good. And, um, and that's it. And I think there was a part of me that goes, well, that doesn't seem to be the case. My understanding of baseball being a, a, an elderly person watching the game for so long, but that seemed to be the case last year. And now this year that that's not the case. I don't notice the narrative switching back being like, maybe we should have given the players more credit for actually performing well and, being healthy and when they're healthy, making the most of their opportunities. I still see it as like the the plan worked great last year and it's not working great this year. That's all I'm all I'm really hearing or saying. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah. I mean it's I mean the plan is obviously get good players. Then those <laughs> good players do well and it makes your plan work perfectly. Well the thing like is I don't, I don't think that is the plan. I think the plan is get get players who are good at some things and then kind of work around it. The plan should be just get good players. They're just not confident they can. Yeah, I think there is there is that shadow lurking here of of a, maybe a realization. I think this is pretty true for a long time. The Dodgers internationally are way ahead of the Giants of, of getting international talent. The Giants like did not prioritize that over the last thirty years, and it, they finally started playing catch up maybe ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and uh, and they're still way way behind. Um, so we didn't even really get into that, uh, this converse part of the conversation, because to me, it's sort of irrelevant. I, if ownership is saying we want to keep the payroll lower, you know, there's not a lot he can do with that. And then that is the time for him to shine where he can manage the money differently. And if the giants are pressing down payroll, I feel like that's something we're going to find out soon enough. And then we can talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, why, why they spent less this year than last year, I think. I think pandemic recovery is reasonable. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it probably, they had a mandate to cut payroll a little bit this year. And they cut it a lot from, you know, the 20, 2019 level. I think 2019 was the high, right? Whatever, whenever the high was. Um, it doesn't matter. They cut it a lot from whenever their max, their all-time max was. Um, and, you know, hopefully the team is recovering a little bit, though attendance was down this year. Uh, for good reason. And, uh, but they're also still a rich team. Like they should be spending more money. And I know that, and you know, he wasn't against it. He was, it did very much come off like, um, like he was like, you know, whatever happens, happens with that. <laughs> que sera, yeah. sera. We're going to send money. Que sera, sera. Like, I don't know. I, I just work here. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we are still a business. We don't have unlimited money, blah, 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 blah. Um, but yet, I'm, I bet if there's a way, I bet they would open up their pocketbooks if they can sign Aaron Judge. Like, I'm not saying they can or not, but I bet ownership would because he's a star and they can market him. And he's I, mean, it goes, I mean, he opens up this conversation with they need to get younger and more athletic and I, or healthier. Uh, and I don't think that Aaron Judge really speaks to either of those things. I'm I'm just saying what ownership would be willing, what I think ownership would be willing to do, like regardless of what Farhan wants to do, like a a big star and specifically that big star who hits many, many big boy dingers and is from Northern California, they would be willing to spend money on him and actually fully raise payroll past what they would otherwise be comfortable with. Otherwise, I mean, I don't know, maybe they're going to be stuck around 
160 or 170 million. Like, and it could be a little more than that. I think the the Arizona complex really does did factor into this year's payroll. Although, if if they're doing it how they built the stadium, then that's just deficit financing. You know what I mean? So, just a portion of the payroll goes to that each year until the loans paid off. However much that Arizona complex, it was seventy million, right? The Arizona complex that they built for yeah, something like that. So I'm sure that the debt service on that is what's also affecting the payroll. And I don't know what the actual ceiling is, but yeah, I mean, that's true. But it's, I mean, I don't know what you gain by monitoring the Giants payroll and how they compete. They're going to have to overpay for anyone they get who's near the top of the market. And and if they need five guys or eight guys, you know, <laughs> if you're talking 20 million a pop for each one of those on average, because Aaron Judge would obviously be more than that. You know, I think that's a pretty su- substantial investment for. Oh, I'm so bad at math. For almost for a quarter of the roster, a hundred million dollars. That seems not within the realm of what a guy like Farnsidey would be looking to do for financial flexibility and efficiency. Well, we to do love financial of, flexibility. What's that? We do love financial flexibility. We love we love ourselves a team with financial flexibility. That's true. They could spend so yeah. much they won't, but they could. I mean, but also like I'm trying to just off the top of my head, they've got Discofani for like 16, Cobb is like eight or 12, Aaron Woods eight or 12. So what is that? 24. That's like 40 million right there. You've got your minimum. You know, they're probably already at 65, whatever. So if on like 12 players, I'm rounding up 12 or 15, and if you need to sign, if you sign five guys on average 20 million, you know what I mean? Like you're still at 20, so you need six players, and you're already at this year's payroll limit. It just seems, uh, I don't, I'm not sure. It, it just, I guess to me, it's like, I'm not going to be one of those fans who worries about the payroll because uh, they are not going to, it's not going to factor in. If they're going to, I know they're going to miss out on top of the market free agents because they don't want to play here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what are they going to do with the rest of it? Uh, and so I think this conversation, it was interesting. It wasn't eye opening necessarily, but it definitely made me go. I think I like him more when I, when I, can understand where he's coming from more. And um, he just seems like a guy to me, a really, really, really smart guy. Yeah. I mean, he is, he's, he's just a guy. Yeah. Uh, th- there is just something kind of mystical, uh, mystical almost says too many racial overtones, but <laughs> there is something kind of, there was a mystique about him essentially, you know, he gets, he got fawning press for all those years and a lot of nice puff pieces about him. And, you know, at the end of the day, I really, I said this last week, I really don't think he's doing anything differently than Brian Sabian did when he took over the team. Like it just takes time to build up a team. A team only gets bad and makes a move when all their, all the stuff has stopped working. So you got to get a guy in there who starts building it up. So all the stuff starts working again and uh, it's going to take some time. All right. Any, any last thoughts on that interview? Uh, I think the Giants should get good players. All right. Well, we don't always get what we want, Doug. Just keep that in mind. Right. I, just like to, I just like to stir up controversy. <laughs> uh, did you get anything you want from this 2023 schedule that was leaked? Let's take a couple minutes to look at it because I guess yeah. people were talking about it. It wasn't leaked. It was formally it was, officially released. Right. Formally, <laughs> you know, I did, I did get one thing, which is uh, Giants are no longer going to play the Padres every week. <laughs> They're not going to spend a quarter of a season playing the Diamondbacks? That's right. <laughs> so 14 games in your division now. Um, they're going to open at Yankee stadium. They're going to play every team. I don't think it's a home and home 
No. Right? Sometimes you'll just play them and that's it. So I, it uh, seems oh, like it's going to rotate. I don't know if it's going to rotate every year. Like we're like, oh, he, well, I guess in odd years we're going to New York and in even years the Yankees are coming here. Yeah. Um, but it's it's going to be just every – yeah, just one series a year against uh, every AL team other than the A's. They'll have their normal home and home with the A's. Um. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. The schedule in general, I think I'm, I think this is maybe my age showing, but it, to me, it's sort of, you're diluting the specialness of any of the time the leagues would meet up. Uh, I think that's interleague was very popular though, but it's just, it's kind of like, I don't know. It, expansion might've taken care of some of this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, I'm, I, I also don't like it that much, but it's just the world we live in now. You know, we're like, everything is the same. Everything is homogenized. There is one spreadsheet again. That yeah. just, I and, mean, uh, I guess there's a part of me that thinks like, if I had a sense that things could revert, you know what I mean? Like, let's try this out for a few years and see how it goes and then rework the schedule and it's more traditional. And maybe that's the case. I think the baseball schedule has been, not necessarily dynamic, but it certainly has made some changes. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It seems like once you go into this direction, it doesn't really go ever go back. Um, but I mean, like they are going to expand at some point by two teams. Yeah, they need. So, I mean, they're going to get two more teams. Yeah, and so once that happens, I mean, the schedule will have to change again, just necessarily. So uh, I wonder if that will happen then. But I, I think it'll be fun. I, I, I'm looking at it that way. Like it'll be fun, and I would think those five fewer games. Henry Shulman was very big on like, well, the Giants don't have to play the Dodgers and the Padres 10 extra times. That's good for them. I'm like, yeah, but now they got to play like better teams. So <laughs> they have to play more good teams. That seems bad. So <laughs> um, and and uh, also eventually we're going to get to the eight. They wouldn't even be in contention for the uh, the fourth wild card this year. So baseball lowered expectations and then threatened to lower them even more. And the Giants couldn't even rise up to that. It's been a pretty yeah. amazing season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there's not really anything to look forward to next week. I don't think maybe the formal everyone, maybe the press coverage and the team starting to talk about next year more because they're going to play the Padres to start the week and at home. So if they get wiped out at home, you're going to hear some boos and it's going to be rough. And then, Oh, and then the Phillies coming to town. Oh man, oh and six. <laughs> so the next nine games, the Gi- oh, the next eleven games, the Giants play three Padres, three Phillies, three Dodgers, and then a doubleheader against the Brewers. What what a nightmare! Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then they play the Cubs for three, and then the Braves for three, and then the Dodgers for three. So good night, nurse. <laughs> It's a good thing they're already knocked out of the playoff race. That's right. That's right. So I think we had all thought they were going to be over 500 this year. And I don't even think that's a possibility now. Um, I guess we can talk about that next week, though, because it'll, be <laughs> it'll be much clearer next week. But uh, just, Doug, just like these last two weeks were key for seeing if the Giants had a hope in the playoff race, these next two weeks are key to see if the Giants have a hope to finish over 500. <laughs> that's what they're playing for. That's right. Yeah, because 107 games to 70, fewer than 75 wins. That's, that is not trust the process territory, I'm afraid. I will certainly be pushing on social media that people should not be content with that outcome. Um, all right. I was going to make one final thought, but we should get out of here. 
just just I need to put it out there on the streets in case people didn't know. AJ Pruszynski sucks. Oh God, he's terrible. <laughs> oh, God. I think people, some people have missed, like the AJ Pruszynski jock sniffers have misconstrued my tweet where I identified on the Fox broadcast from Saturday night that he was basically c- claiming that the the video of the Crawford kids cheering on Brandon Crawford's walk off home run was sort of fake because like the kids were fed the term walk off home run because they were cheering a walk off home run. He's like, now my kids are, were very young and they watch a lot of baseball, but they don't know what a walk off home run is. Which could just be AJ Pruszynski admitting on national television, his kids are idiots, which is very <laughs> possible. I mean, they, they do share gene half their genes with him yes, and the other I, half with someone who chose to marry him. <laughs> so I mean, what are the odds that they're smart? But my thing was like, this guy is just a villain. Like, not even the people, no one on the Giants ever liked him while he was on the team. And I was just really remarking, like, he is just like a heel. You know, I wasn't being like, how can't, how dare he? But in the same breath, he was like, Brandon Crawford's had a great career. He's been a great giant. And then they show that clip. And as soon as the clip's over, it's like, you know, I don't like kids don't know what a walk-off home run is. They're pretty young. Those kids are pretty young. And I was like, so you were setting it up just to be a, a dick. That's basically it. So I, I was mean, just, the thing is, he's not even fun to hate, right? He's not even like the guy who's like the fun villain to take down. He's, you don't want to see a big fight scene with him. You want him to be the guy Indiana Jones shoots after yeah. swinging the sword. Yeah. Like, that's I, the yeah. ideal metaphorical. <laughs> and for AJ Pruszynski, I am not calling for AJ Pruszynski to be assassinated. No, metaphorically though. Metaphorically, <laughs> unless he comes at you swinging a sword, and then whatever happens happens. Uh, so that that wraps up the week of Giants baseball. As terrible it was, but it will be written about quite well at at your place, Doug. Let us know where they can read about it. You can read about uh, things that are interesting twice a week at giantsdoug.substack.com. Who knows what those are going to be this week. If you look at your term of services, by the way, it says if you write about the Giants, you have to keep writing about the Giants. It's the Substack account you can have. Sorry, I was just just perusing it for you because I didn't want you to get any, incur any kind of penalty. Oh, man. And you have to keep recording this podcast about the Giants. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's how they get you. Yeah, I guess we usually close with the Go Giants. I really want to say uh, we'll be back next week with an all-new episode. In the meantime, the Giants suck, but uh, that that feels too mean. So I'm just going to say this. Thanks again for listening. Check out great content at McCoveyChronicles.com. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Check out GiantsDoug.Substack.com, like you said. And in the meantime, try not to think about the Giants. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Thanks for listening, even though we're talking about the Giants, everyone. Yeah. In between listening and visiting the site, don't think about them. <laughs> Only think about them when you listen to this and when you read Doug's Substack. So, <laughs> sayonara. Thank you. We still have 40 plus games left to make a run here. (laughs) (laughs) No.